December 15th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, it'll be today from the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 1 through 17. The world ruler, Antichrist, begins his conquest of the nations by peacefully taking control. He has a weapon, but no ammunition. And men are saying, peace and safety, peace and safety. You know, Satan usually declares peace before he declares war. So beware his offers. Now, there are two important writers in Revelation, Antichrist at the opening of the book and Christ at the close. The prefix anti in Greek means instead of, as well as against. You see, the world ruler is a counterfeit Christ, energized by the master counterfeiter Satan. John does not use the term Antichrist. Instead, he calls him the beast. You see, the world would not receive the true Christ, but it will receive the false Christ. Well, soon the world is at war, and suffering results from famine and plagues, and cosmic disturbances. Jesus said these things would happen. The martyrs are seen under the altar, because that's where the blood was placed. Death, for Jesus' sake, is not waste. It is, in fact, sacrifice and worship. They pray not for personal vengeance, but for God's glorification and vindication. When it appears that God is not working as you think He should, be patient and let Him do His will in His time. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. December 15th, Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 17. As I, John, watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then one of the four living beings called out with a voice that sounded like thunder, Come! I looked up and saw a white horse. Its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. When the Lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come! And another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to remove peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come! And I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And a voice from among the four living beings said, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley for a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and wine. And when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come! And I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green like a corpse, and death was the name of its rider, who was followed around by the grave. They were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. And when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their witness. They called loudly to the Lord and said, O Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be 
before you judge the people who belong to this world for what they have done to us? When will you avenge our blood against these people? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, had been martyred. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from trees shaken by mighty winds. And the sky was rolled up like a scroll and taken away, and all of the mountains and all of the islands disappeared. Then the king of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy people, the people with great power, and every slave, and every free person, all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who will be able to survive? I am righteous. How? Self-righteous? No, it's His righteousness that He has given me. I am now right. In fact, you can't get more right than how right you are right now. You can't get more right. You can try to increase your righteousness, but it's impossible because you have been gifted the righteousness of Jesus. So you are right before him. You are forgiven before him. You are justified before him. You are accepted by him. You are welcomed by him. You are righteous. You are, your identity now is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's what Paul said. I am who I am. What makes me who I am is the grace of God. The grace of God is the gift of righteousness through the person of Jesus. I am now, my identity is now hidden in Christ and who I am is as righteous as Jesus is. This is my righteousness. Paul says to Timothy, instead of all these quarrels and slander and suspicion and envy and strife and division, I want you to live the opposite way and I want you to orient your life around the gift you have received in Jesus. Now notice, it always starts with righteousness. But notice what, a no, what righteousness makes available to you and to me. Notice the progression. He says, pursue righteousness. But what's the next? Godliness. Which is to say, when you orient your life around the gift that you have received in Jesus, that you are right with him, it leads to God awareness. So pursue righteousness, which leads to God awareness. And God awareness, which again is not self-conscious, it's God conscious. I truly believe what I said a moment ago. One of the most powerful postures and positions and perspectives and mentalities for a human being to live in is this idea of being a God conscious being. To think about God more than you think about yourself. If you can learn to think about God more than you think about yourself, which by the way, the spirit of Jesus will help you every day to live like this. All of these anxieties and fears and worries and things that add to the calamitous experience we have as human beings 
dissipate because perfect love casts out, kicks out all fear and all anxiety. That God awareness, you remember that he's sovereign, he's in control, he's sure, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is immutable, which means he never changes. And all of a sudden, a God aware person becomes steadfast, courageous, immovable. All of a sudden, these amazing things unfold in your life because you have accepted righteousness, which has led you to God awareness, which leads you to what? Faith. Pursue righteousness, godliness. So as you pursue righteousness, it'll lead to God awareness, which will lead to trust. And the just shall live. You know what the just means, right? Justified by grace. The just means, and the righteous shall live by what? Faith. Not by sight, but by faith. We've never needed more trust in God right now. It is very difficult to trust any of those who are in political power at this point. It's very difficult. I'll just say it's difficult. It's challenging. But our trust ultimately goes to a God who is in control of our country and every country and every continent and the world itself. So righteousness leads to God awareness. God awareness breeds trust in my life and trust leads me to love. This affection and affinity and emotion and passion for God and for people. And can I say this? If you love God, you'll end up loving what he loves. And you know what God loves? Not really categories. God didn't die for political parties. He died for people. Jesus didn't die for policies and procedures and economies. He died for people. What Jesus loves is people. He's passionate about all people. The people you disagree with, the people you have those opinionated discussions with at the water cooler at work, Jesus loves them as much as he loves you. Psalm 134, verses 1 through 3. Have you ever given thanks for the people who work the night shift? Were it not for them, you would have no electricity or water at night, no fire or police protection, or no emergency service at the hospital. While you're asleep, others are serving, so be grateful. But do the people on the night shift give thanks? Perhaps not. The psalmist here admonished the priests in the temple to give thanks as they served God and the people at night. It may have been a lonely ministry, but it was an important ministry. Your high priest in heaven intercedes for you day and night. He never grows weary or impatient. Have you told him you're thankful for his faithful ministry? Are you willing to be like him and serve others, even on the night shift? Psalm 134, verses 1 through 3. A song for the ascent to Jerusalem. Oh, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. You who serve as night watchmen in the house of the Lord, lift your hands in holiness and bless the Lord. May the Lord, who made heaven and earth, bless you from Jerusalem. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 through 4. The message of Agur, son of Jacquet, an oracle. I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out, O God. I am too ignorant to be human, and I lack common sense. I have not mastered human wisdom, 
nor do I know the Holy One. Who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down? Who holds the wind in his fists? Who wraps up the oceans in his cloak? Who has created the whole wide world? What is his name and his son's name? Tell me if you know.